Adam Curry, John C. Dvorak. Keeping citizens informed and aware across the entire Gitmo Nation, this is No Agenda for March 1st, 2009. This is No Agenda. Coming to you from the Crackpot Command Center in southwest London, Gitmo Nation East, I'm Adam Curry. And I'm John C. Dvorak here at Buzzkill Bastion, Silicon Valley North, Gitmo Nation V. Crackpot and Buzzkill in the morning. <laughs> a new montage. <laughs> yes, you didn't pot it up fast enough. No, I sucked. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> a lot going on here, you know. <laughs> a lot of mouse work. I actually looked into uh, because there's, you know, there's so much is firing from the computer screen, so it, it's actually quite inconvenient to do stuff with a mouse in that regard when you're doing I would kind think. of radio stuff. I looked into. Um, what turns out to be like a, a holy a holy war type situation. I looked into implementing mouse. Uh, uh, was it follow, a focus follows mouse on uh, on the Mac? Which is what kind of, is that? Well, it's a, it's a very old Unix X11 type thing. In fact, it still it still works that way, and th- it's a source of huge debate um, on many Unix uh, gra- uh, GUI systems. If you mouse over another window of a different application. Even though you're not bringing it toward the, to, to the forefront, the focus of so wherever the mouse is means that your keyboard will interact with that window and that application. Without having to click. Without having to click, of course. When you click, then it obscures other windows. And it's uh, so it's uh, the uh, the Mac uh, OS X does have a version of it. Scrolling works on uh, on focus. So if you have an application in the foreground and you want to scroll your browser window that's in the back, that works. If you do it through uh, like a mouse uh, a mouse scroll wheel. But you can't hmm. do uh, key uh, input commands. And it, it's uh, I was reading an article on it today. It's fascinating why that's not implemented or if it, you know if it ever can be. A lot of it is basically Apple saying this is good for everybody. Now live with it. But it would be nice if I could do it. Yeah, it would have been in that last uh, in that intro there where you were dead in the water after I <laughs> said hello. Don't make me do it again, man. <laughs> hey, John, hello. how are you? Okay. Okay. Having some having some oatmeal here in the morning. Yeah. In the morning. Oh, you're too uh, too quick for me, baby. In the morning. See if only I had that that follow focus thing. It could have been much faster on the draw. Yeah, well, you'll probably uh, one of these days be in the groove. You'll get at some point. You're going to do a perfect show. <laughs> Shoot me when that happens. Um, oh, I, just to, to get into the vibe here, um, wanted to say that I took the Lady Patricia Friday night to see Jersey Boys in London. And uh, you have, I'm sure you haven't seen it, have you, John? Yeah, you're sure I haven't seen it? Well, they did play it here in San Francisco. They had the, uh, yeah, the, the I know. touring troupe. That's where I saw it first. Oh, you've seen it twice now. Well, this was why I actually was very... Well, for, Patricia don't, had not seen it. And I was very interested to see what a London version would look like with British, was with British actors. Well, well, wait. Let me let me guess. Let me guess. So uh, I would think because it's San Francisco, San Francisco is interesting to go see plays in. If anybody, and I think this is probably true for any of these secondary markets, the audience is so appreciative that if somebody if puts on the worst piece of crap in history, they get a standing ovation. So there's, there's, it's like it's like an Obama speech. There's just standing <laughs> ovations constantly, and and at the end, there you know the curtain call for crap. It's it's almost hard to take. Let me tell you, uh, coming from Jersey, I really resent that remark. Okay, Jersey boys and that story uh, can never be compared to Obama. Not good. 
I'm, but, no, I'm comparing this scene know, know. at the San Francisco theater to, uh, you know, where some people just give standing goes for no good reason. I would say the, the audience reactions were very similar, although um, in the San Francisco version, there were people kind of getting up and dancing uh, during some of the some of the songs. Obviously, it's a musical. God, um, let's hope they weren't spinning. <laughs> no. Um, average age in San Francisco. And I saw it before it was uh, classified as a bona fide hit. Uh, which is kind of nice, and uh, one of the actors who uh, actually uh, used to do, I don't know if he still does a podcast, Eric. He used to do a podcast. Um, he invited me, and I loved the show, and I thought it was fantastic, and so I was interested to see what it would be like in the, in, uh, in London's West End. First of all, packed house. This thing has been going for, I guess, a year now here in the West End. Um, not a single seat left over, and it was really hard for me to get into it because even though the accents were pretty much there you know they they sounded kind of jersey there's just something that you you just can't replicate it you just cannot replicate a true jersey attitude you know it's not even the way the words sound but just you know it's it's very subtle ways of standing shifting your weight you know body language and they did not hit them i mean great great performances as you know, not bumping into the furniture, getting their lines out, and fantastic singing. The, the lead, the uh, the guy who played Frankie Valley was phenomenal, great singer. But it, it just it, it didn't make it. it uh, they can't do it. And the, in fact, there was there was one guy who plays a couple of different roles. He plays like a cop. He plays a DJ. He plays a record company owner. And I'm like, that guy has got to be an American. And he was the like the only American in the cast because he could really hit it. He could he could portray it. So. It was uh, just interesting that it really, for me, it just really didn't work. I'm sure the New York version would have been the one that really oh, rocked. I wish, I wish. And let me just uh, play one bit of a song of, from the fabulous Frankie Valley to get into the mood. Surely you know this one, John. Yes, yeah, one of the ones that I would have never played. Oh, what a great song. See, I like the stuff that where it was actually, you know, where there was a beat. Well, this has a beat. It picks up. I'm just saying. Mm. So, you know, you're, you have that, you have kind of a... Sappy, uh, sentimental vibe? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's me. So I guess hey, I... I wanted to bring something up, by the way. Okay. Before I forget. Shoot. Yeah. Better hurry. <laughs> the Oscars and this list that was leaked... Yeah, it was interesting because it was right on except for one. Even yeah, the, so it means it was every day just fake. were guessers. Yeah, it was fake. It was fake. Yeah, I, I fully admit that I didn't say it was definitely the list. We both agreed. But what was interesting is the one that was missed was not the smaller, obscure one like the documentary, which was spot on, Man on the Wire. It was right. uh, uh, Sean Penn winning instead of uh, Mickey Rourke right. for Best Actor. Now, here's the possibility. What do you think of this? The list is leaked. Mm-hmm. Everybody, you know, everybody in the audience has seen this because they pass it around, right? I mean, let's face it: if you're oh, nominated, oh yeah, of course, of course, yeah. And so everyone's getting freaked out by the fact that their thing is nailing one after another after another. So let's say this happens: they have a, the, the the committee itself, the whoever's you know running the show, says, "Look, this is terrible. This is the worst thing that could possibly happen." <laughs> Switcheroonie. <laughs> <laughs> and they say, what can we do? 
to 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 kill this and give it to somebody that you know. Well, you know, Sean Penn came pretty close to Mickey Rourke, and 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 he's got a message that he, we don't have anybody oh, to give us this this communist message that we need. You know, to, to highlight the, the the whole thing. To show you, you, you know what? Stand. You know what happened? I can just see it. And it's like, what? So they have a meeting, right? It's this uh, kind of dank, dusty boardroom, you know, all secretive stuff. And like, what shall we do? And then someone hits the red button. Adam Curry, John C. Devorak. Quick, let's call this Crackpot and no Buzzkill. Chance. They'll know what to do. So anyway, that's my theory. I did want to mention something else about the Academy Awards. The uh, Slumdog Millionaire winning uh, five awards, I believe. Or more. Yeah, I just wanted to say that's total horse shit. Um, yeah, it was a good movie. Is, was it the best movie? No. Uh, was it, did it deserve all these accolades? No. Why did it win? Because Hollywood is taking billions of dollars from India, from the Bollywood industry. Steven Spielberg, I believe $1.2 billion in money from India. Everybody knows there's no more money because money for Hollywood comes from interesting sources. Uh, yeah. Big companies, uh, big hedge funds, people who have way too much money and want to put it into something sexy, maybe get laid by an actress. That's where Hollywood money comes yeah. from. And that has been drying up and, and Hollywood sees the writing on the wall. So they went to India and this was a total political move because who votes on these? You know, the, the members of the academy. So it's all the people who are behooved by Indian rupees coming into the system. Right. So, I agree with that. 100%. So, okay, well, thank you. It's just it, it bugged me a little bit that no one's really been saying that. You know, it's like they so, don't say anything. So if it wasn't for the two of us, <laughs> thank you. None of this would ever been said. <laughs> and this is exactly why we need to accelerate completion of the Adam Curry John C. Dvorak Library, which we'll talk about later in the show. So uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, and the thing about the movie is that people they go to see it thinking it's going to be you know world you know this it's a you know I don't know I haven't seen it yet I, but people have gone to see it they say it, it's a, there's this somewhat depressing little disappointing it's it's it doesn't live up you to saw the it, hype you've seen it yeah seen it? yeah and it's okay you know yeah it's a good movie but you know. Pff. Well, all the movies this year they were just a bunch of dogs I mean I didn't see well the, there, you know, the the wrestler was a good movie. Yeah, did you the rest probably should have won. Yeah, no, I've only seen clips from it, but it just looks like it rocks, and everybody, all the big shots that know what they're talking about, think it's great. So I'll, I'll watch it on DVD. I don't think or it's HBO. Out yet. It's probably not on HBO. On, uh... I'll see it on HBO. I, wait, I don't see what's the rush. Why do you have to see these movies immediately? Well, it's herd mentality. If you want to be a part of uh, the conversation at work or at school, if you haven't seen it, then you're a douche. Nah, then just say worthless. you saw it. Well, that's what I just did, and you bought it, so perfect, didn't it? Ah, okay. Well, that's good to you know. You know, we, we only recently got our um, our HD television. Uh, I've been really behind on that. I've been a tube guy, really. I, I like a big-ass tube, and Patricia finally said, no more tube. Did you get a plasma or a LCD? I, well, I uh, man, I stood for a long time debating between the Samsung LCD and the LG plasma. And the LG Plasma has a contrast ratio that's out of control, like 115,000 to one or something. It's just, and, and we looked at it in a, in a situation similar to what we might have in the, in our viewing quarters. And I was like, it's, it's, it's too dark for me. Actually, it's just too dark. Yeah. And I really let Patricia call the shots on it. She'd agreed. So we got the, uh, the Samsung LCD, which still has a, 
I think a sixty thousand to one contrast ratio. It's got the two hundred megahertz, you know. So it's a it's a proper ten eighty hoopity poop thing. And I saw um, what I see last night: American Gangster with Denzel Washington. God, that looks so good in HD. Just outrageous. Everything looks good in HD. Well, besides the fact that you can see every little, I, I showed it to Patricia. And I said, "Hey, by the way, when you're on television, now the she's on SBS, so they don't have an HD signal." Uh, and I said, but you know, if you're on any, if you're on any of the state run, uh, channels, here's how close up we can actually see you. And she was like, Oh no, this is horrible. I can see the makeup just sitting on their heads. I said, yeah, absolutely. You can see dirty floors, all kinds of stuff. So what's the screen size? Uh, relatively small, actually 40 inches, which was perfect, uh, Perfect for. They don't even make forty. Yes, no, yes, yes, they do. The LCD. LCD. It's a forty inch. It's a very typical because normally it's forty two. I think it's thirty seven, forty two. But the Samsung has a forty inch, which is very uh, perfect. So what'd you pay? Let's go. Come on. What I pay? Uh, We pay. America wants to know. Eleven hundred pounds, I think. Twelve hundred pounds. About fifteen hundred bucks. Fifteen hundred bucks for a forty inch LCD. They can get that one of those at Costco. Seven hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> yeah, but you can't get the Curry's quality and service that goes along with I like shopping at Curry's. And I give my credit card and they're like, Huh? I said, Yeah, I own the joint. This is a test bitch. <laughs> Curry's. So there's a bunch of electronic stores called Curry's? Yeah, it's a huge chain. Huge. Huh. Yeah. I get a lot of search traffic for that. For uh and I used to have Google ads, I'd have curry ads all over the place. I got tired of it. Um, but a great, interesting story, by the way, the uh, American Gangster, because it and I, and I had seen it already, but it kind of brought back uh, what I always say. Uh, you know, this is the story of Frank Lucas and uh, New Jersey cop uh, Richie Roberts, who brought him down. Frank Lucas was uh, one of the biggest drug lords in the United. Well, in the on the East Coast, I should say. And he was bringing in this is the time of the Vietnam War. He was bringing in um, heroin on U.S. Tra- um, military transport flights, which, you know, and and it's so funny to see that, you know, he builds up this empire. He's got this great supply chain. It's coming in on military flights, which I say has never stopped uh, until the war ends. And then his business basically goes bust. I'm like, yeah, the, hmm, I wonder if we need more uh, troops in Afghanistan. This is a good idea. We don't want the supply chain to slow down for any reason. Which, yeah, uh, there's probably something like that going on. Well, I was watching uh, our president at Lejeune uh, Air uh, Lejeune is it Air Force? No, uh, at, uh, it's North Carolina, right? Lejeune Military Base. I don't know. Lejeune, Lejeune. And, I don't know. It could be anything. I, I had to look it up, and I don't feel like it. Okay, it's in North Carolina. That Jackson. You can just say military base, and you got it covered. Okay. And he was addressing the troops, and this is where he. Um, publicly announced that um, we he will we will remain in Iraq for another 18 months at which time the withdrawal will begin but we will leave 35 to 50,000 troops in Iraq uh, at least uh, until the end of 2011 which just it just blows me away where you know first he he voted against the war then it's like I'm going to get our troops out then it's like well you know we'll um We'll get them out in, well, I guess 16 months, 18 months doesn't make that much difference. But if you read very closely what uh, what what, uh, what has been written about this and, and, and what he's saying, it is unless or it's dependent upon 
I should look up the exact quote, dependent upon uh, what's happening on the ground. So it can change at any time, uh, essentially. But I wanted to play a little sound clip, John, from the very end of, the, of him addressing uh, fine young, young men and women of the Marines. And just listen to how he changes the truth literally before your very eyes slash ears. You ready for it? Go. Now, as a nation, we've had our share of debates about the war in Iraq. It has at times divided us as a people. To this very day, there are some Americans who want to stay in Iraq longer. Uh, by the way, uh, who are those Americans? Could you please all raise your hand without talking? <laughs> <laughs> and some who want yeah, to they want to stay in Iraq longer. Yeah, there's some. Apparently, there are some Americans who would like to stay in Iraq longer. And some who want to leave faster. But there should be no disagreement on what the men and women of our military have achieved. And so I want to be very clear. I love it because this is this is like the warning. Whenever he, whenever President Obama says, I want to be very clear or let's make it clear or I want to be very clear. That's when the bullshit is about to come. That's almost like someone saying honestly or in all honesty. That's when bullshit is being announced. Stand by. Here it comes. We sent our troops to Iraq to do away with Saddam Hussein's regime. Okay, John, why did we go to Iraq? Wow. To, uh, to get those, those weapons of mass destruction. Thank you. And you got the job done. And commission accomplished. <laughs> you got the job done. Oh, but it continues. We kept... We kept our troops in Iraq to st help establish a sovereign government. What? What? <laughs> to help establish a sovereign government? You mean the puppet we put in there? And you got the job done. Mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. Good job. He does the, re the repetitive thing. You got the job done. Da -da -da. You got the job done. Da -da -da. You got the job done. There'll be a punchline at the end of that. Leave the Iraqi people with a hard-earned opportunity to live a better life. That is your achievement. That is the prospect that you have made possible. There are many lessons to be learned from what we've experienced. We've learned that America must go to war with clearly defined goals, which is why I've ordered a review of our policy in Afghanistan. So eh, I, I can't even listen to it anymore. So l let's, just, let's just go back to the, because uh, that's another lie as well, you know. It's like, oh, you know, I, I'm going to go to war. I'm going to review that with Congress. No, no. Congress is the only one who can send us to war, not the president. Sounded to me like he was saying it's up to him. Well, that's the impression that uh, that's that they like to convey to the public at large. So that way, when Congress complains about some uh action taken by the president out of the blue uh they look like buffoons so how about that we went to topple saddam hussein's regime that's a lie that's not why we went there we were lied to lied to about it to get in there but why you know why doesn't he just why does he lie tell me Daddy. uh I have no idea. Why, he does why, it because he's got an agenda. Agenda. <laughs> he has an agenda. And I'll tell you what the agenda is, is to create another Vietnam, which is what we're going to end up with in Afghanistan. And perhaps there is a drug angle here. Because everybody, you know, if you talk to a lot of these analysts, they say that the whole thing is about the drug trade in Afghanistan. There's so much money to be made from it. it could pay for the whole damn thing.
And, you know, and the other thing is, you know, go back to what my father once told me. He says, you know, the Republicans are the Depression Party. They always get us into a depression. And the Democrats are a war party. They always get us into a war. So turning over things to the Democrats is because, oh, they want, you know, they want to get out is bogus. I mean, we're not getting out. Here's the opportunity. Here's the, if you remember when the elections took place in 2006, it was all, you know, we, we, it was an anti, it was an anti-Bush vote. And in fact, I think the 2008 election was an anti-Bush vote. I don't think people were necessarily voting for Obama. I mean, the Democrats were, but I think the independents were just sick of what was going on there to vote for anybody. So they put Obama in, but they, there was an underlying theme that this was an anti-war thing. You didn't want war. We're going to get out. Just get out. out, but there's no evidence that they're going to do that, and there was there would never be any evidence if you've been following the Democrats ever. I mean, they're the ones who in, v, in the Vietnam situation, they're the ones who cranked it up. It wasn't anybody else. It was you know Kennedy followed by Johnson who really started throwing troops in there and even phoning up certain battles, you know, to get more troops. And, you know, they got themselves into a huge bind. The guy had to finally quit because they couldn't get out. There's no exit strategy at all. And uh, they had Nixon had to come in and, and just, you know, kind of make a mess over there. And maybe he ended up getting us out. It was a it was a Republican. So, well, what I, we're just going to there's a Vietnam coming up to Afghanistan thing. It's a it's a dead end place to be. It was we should uh, just fail out. Interesting in the. Um... In this, By the uh, way, wait, wait, stop. Let me mention something. How come we just can't leave? Well, of course we can leave wait, wait. because that, thank you, finally. So wait, wait, stop, stop. Let me just mention something. I always notice that the, the Americans in particular always are highly critical of the Asian cultures because all these Asian cultures, you put them in a bind and they can't do this and they can't do this because they, they have to save face. They have to save face. It's just part of their culture. They're those poor idiots. They have to save face. Oh, we can't make them do that because they have to save face. But what is it with us? We seem to be more inter- in, interested in saving face than any Chinese ever. Don't get I, me started. Yeah, no, don't get me started on that. Yeah, I'm done. I'm done. You're done. Well, some interesting dialogue in this movie. Um, by the way, the stream seems to be fucking up. So, sorry, people. You'll have to download it later. Um, some inter- interesting uh, dialogue about how many people were basically and 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 not just on the drug side but on the the judge side the cop side the lawyer side the uh, military side how many people were dependent and at one point uh, Denzel Washington obviously as uh, um acting as uh, as this Frank Lucas said I've put I've put so many kids through college he said I've put all all of the judges in this town I've put them through college all the cops I put I put their kids through college um, and when you think about it, if 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 that type of drug trade would go away, I mean, the, that's when the, the economy truly would collapse. So, yeah, I think there is a drug angle for sure on this. I just can't see any other way. Which brings me to another point. Hit me, baby. So I'm watching uh, C-SPAN. And they had a bunch of uh, of the of the uh, speakers, uh, Ron Paul, for example, and a bunch of others that are at something called CPAC, the Conservative Political Action oh, Conference. Yeah, I, I saw this movie, this video. Okay, so anyway, uh, Rush Limbaugh was giving a speech, 
and he went overtime by like an hour. You guys can talk forever. By the way, I was watching a lot of these speeches, and I ran into one where Maureen Dowd. I'm going to make a clip of this because it was some. She's got to be the worst speaker in the history of public speaking. <laughs> she reads word for word from a sheet of paper without even looking screen, up, in a without looking up in a screechy voice. And then and she giggles at her own material because it's, you know, so well written. Uh -huh. And then and then she gets lost and loses such fumbling through the papers, thinking that she said something, whether she did or not. And it's just like horrible. And then you see Rush Limbaugh, who looks like he's not even working from notes, although I'm sure he is, who just ad libs two hours or looks like he does. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing that you're mentioning the drug thing. So here in California. There is a uh, Tom Amiano, who is a city councilman in San Francisco, kind of a troublemaker, wanted to run for governor once, but he's un unacceptable as a as a state candidate for sure. He's decided to introduce into legislation. I think he, maybe he's in the Senate now or the state Senate or something like that. He's introduced yeah, because he must be or assemblyman. He's introducing into uh, the to the legislature the. Uh, legalization of marijuana in the state of California. Right. And the and the people who have analyzed this say it'll add a billion dollars in tax revenues. California's broke, okay? It'll add a billion dollars in tax revenues. You're broke and it'll, you're dry. Sorry? You're broke and you're dry. You got no water either. Yeah, it's raining right now. Yeah, yeah, anyway, Southern so, California, dude, dry. Southern California should just move. <laughs> anyway, so... <laughs> Save a billion dollars. Go back to Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> Go back to Mexico. <laughs> Shit. Save a million dollars in taxes or get a million dollars in taxes billion. and probably save another million dollars in, in billion, overhead billion, for billion. prison. Bill, billions, I'm sorry, billions, billions uh, in overhead for the prison system and, got, and, and also probably another billion in law enforcement crap that it just costs money to, to, to uh, enforce these drug laws. They should, you know, as a, I've always believed as a libertarian that uh, many of these drug laws should be repealed. Now, what got me on the CPAC thing, the conservatives, and then and and the local talk radio guys, we have a in the Bay Area, we have uh, two stations that play conservative talk radio: the Rush Limbaugh Show and Michael Medved and Gold, some guy named Gold, and a bunch of these other kind of second, third tier people, and uh, they all. Uh, are just going crazy over the fact that somebody's introduced this legislation, these conservatives. And so I'm listening to, you know, and, and I'm thinking, why are these conservatives? And I'm going to read a quote from Limbo, Limbaugh, who <laughs> says, uh, I wrote I wrote it down, Limbo. Funny. Uh, it's e easy to remember. Um, it's part of my note-taking shorthand. Uh, he went on about somebody claiming that the conservative uh, movement as it now exists is stale. And so he makes a couple – he makes his following quote. He says, there's nothing stale about freedom. There's nothing stale about liberty. And I'm thinking – and this is kind of a theme that's been going on at the CPAC thing about liberty and freedom. Yeah, personal responsibility is another one, a big one. Personal, yeah, personal responsibility. responsibility. The government should not be involved in your day-to-day -day life. And Limbaugh himself says they should – as soon as you close the door to your house, there's no business of anybody's what goes on inside. How does this jive with – Wanting marijuana to be, uh, you know, against the law. I mean, where? How does it jive with the with the with all these onerous laws 
that are nothing more than a, you know, kind of a modern version of prohibition. Mm-hmm. How does that jive? I'm not getting it. What is wrong with where, – where am I missing the conservative agenda here where they go on and on about freedom and liberty and personal responsibility as the theme, the principles, as they like, in it, which, which limbo, in fact, limbo. In fact, <laughs> I like it. Just on. keep saying limbo. That's much better. I have to say limbo. I'm stuck with it now. Anyway, how does it jive one with the other? Uh, and, and of course, Lim, Limbaugh was was you know strung out himself on uh, OxyContin and uh, doing you know should, could just as easy be in jail for the rest of his life. Uh, I don't. I'm not seeing the connection between these so-called conservative principles and they're being so outraged about trying to legalize marijuana. And by the way, I do not use marijuana, and you know this. Uh, and no, I don't, I, and I've no, offered you many times. I said, "Come on, John, don't you want to be cool I like all no the kids? Interest. Come on." I mean, once you get past 16, I don't understand why you'd be trying it. So uh, <laughs> it's like I don't see the argument. Oh, you know, once it's legalized, everyone's going to be stoned. You know, this is bull. The fact of the matter. And where's the personal responsibility? I don't get it. I don't get the 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 the, uh, the conservative message on top of this. And, man, I'm telling you, these guys are – these conservative talk radio guys are just going berserk over this idea. Oh, it's terrible. I don't – I don't. Some somebody who's an old-fashioned conservative can explain this to me. I'd like to know. Well, this, of course, was a, a campaign promise by Obama that he was going to stop the persecution of uh, medical marijuana and was going to change the laws. And so um, there's a lot of people saying, hey, yay, it's really happening. Interestingly enough, though, if you go to um, WhiteHouseDrugPolicy.gov, uh, the medical marijuana reality check still kind of broadcasts a different message about uh, about the use of medical marijuana because it could, of course, inten- unintentionally cause serious harm to patients and all kinds of other stuff that they've written there. So I, I still don't believe it'll actually happen. It's just a, a little placating thing. Just uh, shut up, people. Here's a little bit of legislation. We'll bang that around for a while. But you're right. It's uh, well, you're you're right about um, about it being your own business. You're wrong about uh, not smoking it after you're 16. So another thing that Lim- Limbo said was um, he called that the uh, the Obama. Uh, Addressed to Congress as a State of the Union show. It's not a State of the Union. I know. I don't get why these guys are saying this. I mean, what is what is the point? I don't understand why it's not even the called media? a State of the Union in the Constitution. And and you know, the, in fact, I don't think there's any mention of State of the Union in the Constitution. Uh, there is a uh, from time. I think it even says literally from time to time the president will adjo- will ad- uh, address the the joint session. But that's it. Yeah, well, that would, but the joint state of the union is addressing the public, not the yes, Congress. Right. Exactly. Now, now here's another thing. Uh, Limbaugh mentioned a uh, something that was kind of funny. He was invited. And I, this is kind of actually, he thinks it was cool to give this anecdote, but I thought it was not. He he talked. To, he took a day off of his show, and because he was invited to uh, lunch with Bush. Where the day after his birthday, and then Bush had a cake for him that was made in the shape of a microphone, and a couple of the staffers came by and sang happy birthday, and he told a story, but he said that everybody believed that he went to the Obama dinner, which was that same night, that was a bunch of uh, uh, conservative talk show people and conservative writers were invited to Obama's uh, t- whatever it a was. A white tie was- thing, one of those white tie things? 
I don't know what it was. It was just a meeting to, to, for the conservative people to meet with Obama. Mm-hmm. I don't, and I don't know if it was a white tie, black tie, or no tie. And uh, But it was funny because Limbaugh apparently wasn't invited, mm-hmm. which, you know, it's like if you're going to bring the conservatives and it would be kind of silly to leave him out of it, and, and especially on purpose. Um, but anyway, but everyone thought he went to it because he took the day off without telling anybody. Mm-hmm. And uh, But it was to, to go have – lunch with Bush, and then he took it, and it obviously was in his private jet the way he described it. So he takes his private jet to Washington, you know, grabs a limo, goes and has lunch with Bush, who tells him, you know, the talking points for the day. And then he jumps back in his plane and goes home, and he tells the story as if it was something that, you know, it seems that that would be embarrassing. I mean, you're trying, I mean, the problem he's having now anyway uh, is that he sounds like an apologist for, uh, you know, the Republican Party. I mean, he's defended, along with a bunch of these other conservative talk show guys, this idiot Bobby Jindal, who gave this horrible talk that is being mocked here and there. And the, and it seems to me that the Republicans and the conservatives in particular really have an issue with self-analysis and self-criticism. They won't – they just – no, they won't – no. Jindal's a great guy, and the speech was great. It, when it wasn't, I mean, I don't. These conservatives are just blowing. Yeah, we it. got a couple of emails about that as well from uh, from listeners, and uh, and what people fail to understand is that just like President Obama is doing a, a, a really a bang up job at uh, mind controlling everyone with his uh, cadence, his candor, his body language, his entire presentation is slick. It's very professional. He's got a great way of doing it. I would hire the guy for our tech network in a heartbeat. Um, That's as bad as this guy was. And it's all about that. The message is really conveyed in very short sound bites with someone who looks the part and does it well and delivers. That's what it's about. It's what you watch television shows for. It's what you believe in politics is how it's delivered. There was a guy when when, you know, the Republicans could uh, they were used to dominate the uh, the state politics in California, especially at the governor's offices locally, there's usually always just a split. And then the Democrats got a hold of the main uh, party with this – or the, the, the governorship with this Gray Davis guy who was just the worst governor in history. Is that the guy who killed and Chandra Levy? He's <laughs> he's the guy who, who, had, who was is, responsible. He? <laughs> no, he didn't kill anybody. He's the guy who uh, – um, was responsible for the rolling blackouts. You know, oh, because we right. He killed, he, he killed old grandmas who fried yeah, to death in their, in their overheated uh, apartments. That guy, yeah. The problem was that the Republicans were taken over by the kind of the evangelical religious nut, nutballs here in California. And so they, they couldn't field anybody that was acceptable. And then they had this argument, where are our principles? We're not going to just put anyone up there who can actually win. <laughs> and so they, I wish I could remember this guy's name and somebody out there probably knows who it is. But when Schwarzenegger, the only reason he got in is because it was, it was a, it was a recall that they orchestrated and Schwarzenegger got in with, you know, cause they, they had, they had a real popular choice. It was the public that got to choose who was going to run for or who was going to be governor as opposed to the party. And so he got in. Now they can't get him out. Of course, now he's going to be out again because I think his term's up. But they had this guy. They All the conservatives wanted to run. 
and he was McCarthy or McCain, something. He had something like his name. I can't remember his name, but he was very smart. You heard him on the radio. He's, he's kind of like Ron Paul. He's very, and you saw this guy. He's like cross-eyed. No offense to anybody who's cross-eyed. Yeah, but, yeah. but I'm telling you, guy's running for governor. He was cross-eyed and kind of goofy looking. And you look at him and you would not vote for him. Right. Uh, it just wasn't going to happen. But they were no. But he's the best man. He's got the he's got the principles and da da da. And it was just like these guys are nuts. And this thing about the and the marijuana thing is a perfect example. I mean, they I don't know what they're thinking. How's that not government interfering with your personal life? Well, it's public safety. Let's uh, switch over to Gitmo Nation East for a moment because as we speak, uh, some interesting things are taking place in Brussels. An emergency meeting was uh, called, a financial uh, crisis meeting, for 1 o'clock today with the 27 heads of government in the EU. Or actually, it's over now. They uh, Or it should be over now. They're going to meet for uh, three hours. And uh, before this 1 o'clock meeting, the prime ministers of the, uh, was it the, the top dogs? Um, no, I'm sorry. The Eastern European, nine prime ministers of the Eastern European bloc were going to meet separately before this meeting. There is humongous crisis. Um, and it's, start, it's kind of starting to become clear now. So now we have an East and West Europe again. So the Eastern mm-hmm. bloc, who, of course, were bailed out by, or not bailed out, but who have lent, they've borrowed hundreds of billions of euros from their Western uh, neighbor states. Right, suckered him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know, there's a divide now. And, of course, uh, the presidency of the EU is now held by the uh, Czech Republic. And w- w- the problem is, basically, there's no leadership. There is no Obama of Europe, which was entirely the plan to have that set by now. That was one of the main rules of the Lisbon Treaty, was to have a, a, a one single European president that would be that for you know at least a year or whatever length of time. And, of course, Sarkozy wanted to be that. Uh, yeah, I mean, strong he, man. Yeah, it, 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 he, was, he was really pushing this. Hey, like France uh, rammed the uh, Lisbon Treaty right through without a referendum, even though in a referendum for, constant, for the Constitution of Europe, it was voted down. It's essentially the same document. So uh, that messed it up. You know, it, it really messed up their plans, which is why there's so much crisis right now, because everyone's doing their own thing. Everyone's trying to get themselves bailed out by borrowing money from different parties. It's, it's a mess. The wheels are coming off of this thing, and, uh, and no one knows what to do. I'm surprised it's taken this long. God, this, e- this EU thing has been, you know, this is a, uh, was a 40-year project, man. This is, this is not just something from the past couple of years, but... Um, I think it even goes back further than that when you really start tracing the uh, may, yeah you're right well yeah if you go back to all the individual treaties that uh, that exist absolutely and Gordon Brown um, will be visiting the president of the United States on Wednesday for a, a private meeting and that's when uh, I guess he's going to bring the message and say okay we're ready to go tell us how to pull the switch. You know, just uh, let me know, and we'll let it all come tumbling down. So somebody says, by the way, the stream works if you specify the port number. You have uh-huh. to, yeah, you have to specify the port number. Uh, what is the, that? It, it, the the stream was a different problem. All right, don't worry about it. It's fixed. Anyway, it's so fixed. Uh, um, 
so 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 we're in in dire dire straits here. And yeah, what, but what does this mean? What does dire straits? Well, I'll tell mean? you. I'll tell you what that means. What it means is they do not. The, the financial system has to change. It's the Ponzi scheme collapsed. The entire public markets. All you know, put everything together, the subprime mortgages, the credit card debts, people not paying the defaults, and of course, the big monster of them all, which would be the unraveling of the derivatives market, which could go up to a quadrillion dollars, one thousand trillion dollars. That's the problem. That's why that's why we own 80 percent of AIG is because that's where all this crap is sitting. It's all of these derivatives. If that un- unwinds, then everyone will be broke, every country, every bank, you know, according to the numbers. So whether they do it in a controlled manner, which they're attempting to do, um, but of course we all know the money's not actually going anywhere except into bankers' pockets. So far it could change, but so far that's what's been happening, literally into bankers' pockets. Um, so whether they do it in a controlled fashion or not, it has to come apart. It has to unravel. There is no other. They've tried this. So it's either nationalization for every every bank everywhere, or it's which my you know I would favor blow it up, you know let it go fast and then we can figure something out. So this is why you hear President Obama publicly talking about the cap and trade program. It's called a um, a carbon based economy. All of these words are there for a reason because they are preparing to bring in a new financial system. That doesn't necessarily mean different money. I mean, you know, Amero, all that crap, maybe whatever. But a new money system has to be brought in, and it has to be based on debt once again, because that's the way the you know the uh, our our uber lords, uh, the people who actually own the earth, they think that's what they've done for centuries is a, a debt based system, debt based economy. So they have to come up with a new system, and and because there's no leadership in Europe, they can't. They don't know what to do because of a number of mistakes that were made in this takedown in the U.S. There's all kinds of confusion, and you know Obama is not actually a leader. They, we, there is no you know whoever's leading this is behind the scenes. So well, that, that's, that's always what, that's, been your theory. Well, yes, it's of course. So so, that, so now well, who? But yeah, but can you identify this? group of individuals or person the owners of the central banks the people who are actually the the full shareholders and the money behind the central banks the federal reserve which is the u.s central bank it's it's actual membership is a secret it's a secret so it's those people but i can give you a couple names but but there's there's something much bigger going on right now, John. Much much bigger. I believe there is a full scale war going on between warring gangs. And let me give you some data points, if I may. There is no coincidence in submarines crashing underwater, satellites crashing in space, uh, airplanes coming down. There is no coincidence in this. There, uh, particularly, and I've, I've, I can't get this Iridium company out of my mind. So I, I've been doing some more digging. Iridium is the company that has these 64, 65 satellites glow, you know, circling the Earth, low orbit. Do you have any idea what Iridium provides when it comes to services? I thought it was just these silly satellite phones, right? And, uh, and maybe some, uh, some Internet-based stuff in the field that's handy for in the desert. Well, we already discussed on this program 
that uh, Iridium is pretty much um, a full military unit at this point. Just look at the look at the board of directors. Look at uh, just go to their website. You know, you can see it right there. But they provide. It's amazing. They provide. Um, by law, you have to have LRIT, which is long range international tracking. Every single vessel in the world is connected to this to this or a similar but this is now they just announced record results for fe- in February you know they're the fastest growing satellite company they have all the business they provide tracking for tracking guidance communications man th- th- they they have boxes installed on 737 800s which is exactly the model that crashed uh, outside of Schiphol uh, which which actually provides data and is a two way link as to fuel consumption, throttle settings. These everything is completely under the grid, and so when you get things happening where satellites are are basically crashing into each other, not by mistake but by design. Okay, I've I've already told you that's my my theory that that's not just a simple oops mistake. These satellites can move away. They they had they are powered. They know you know. There's all kinds of things that they know about what's around the space shuttle can't launch right now space shuttle can't launch because there's all this debris floating around at low orbit someone is at war or someone is sending very specific messages two submarines two atomic submarines collide into each other i believe that there's something going on with navigation systems and then if you start looking into galileo which europe wants to have their own gps system why why do they want to have all this because it's a huge blanket of power and I can even take we talked we joked about it last week Boeing versus Airbus. Well, on that Turkish flight that crash landed uh in Amsterdam, there were four Boeing engineers, all of them directly involved with the ins- well, I don't know if they're installation, but all of them engineers on the early warning aircraft system being installed for the Turkish Air Force on Boeing 737s which is this huge antenna that can detect missile launches from thousands of miles. You know, these things fly around. It's kind of like an AWACS, only different. Multi-billion dollar contract. John, there is so much going on. Just just between Airbus and Boeing alone, getting a contract, and by the way, Turkey has always been on the fence. Oh, maybe we'll take Airbus, maybe we'll take uh, Boeing. Oh, we'll take a little bit of both. Do you know how much that means? It's like one of the true industries that we have left. Is these aircraft manufacturing industries? These these are hundreds of billions of dollars of contracts. Is that worth, you know, showing? Hey, you know what? Your Airbus sucks. Watch. <laughs> oh, it landed in the Hudson. No, your Boeing sucks. <laughs> oh, it crash landed. Knowing that they're also connected, it's too many close connections with Iridium and 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 defense <laughs> contracts and actual all-out war. I guess this kind of changes the subject from legalizing marijuana. No, no, it's a, uh, it's a direct result of marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, okay. I mean, I like the idea that, you know, somebody's messing with the... Uh, navigation. Um, could it, could navigation. It, it could, you know, think about it. Well, uh, you know, said this should be documentable. Well, I, well, it that's what I was. You, you called. I thought you called a little bit early. I was incorrect about that because I was actually still on this iridium thing, and I'm looking at all the you know, iridium has specific things they've installed on 737-800s. There's a lot of control. You know, what if someone has the capability? You know, don't think that these guys 
uh, drive around with a tom-tom. You know, that's, that's not what's on a 737. This, you know, these are very sophisticated flight systems. They get shit installed from all kinds of companies, and they're upgraded all the time. And I'm quite confident that they're probably just as connected as ships are, and that there's a lot of data going up and coming down. And so what if the glide path, maybe they're not doing it in the, in the old-fashioned, well, they probably aren't doing old-fashioned glide slope, you know, which is basically a, a, a transmission-based system on a, a vertical and a horizontal uh, antenna, if you will, so you can get your glide scope. What if the glide scope was, in, what if, what if the, the data that was sent to their systems was incorrect? I mean, and then there's a, there may even be control over throttles. I mean, these things, Airbuses, the computer land has lots of control. They've got authorization over all kinds of things that pilots used to have 100% control of. I, I feel messaging going on here, big, big messaging. Yeah, and you could uh, actually, if you could get, you could remotely get control of an Airbus and just drive it anywhere you wanted. I, be, um, I believe that to be true. Yes. Interesting. Well, we should just so keep any, our eyes on it because there's connections all the time. And uh, well, let's see if anything else bumps into anything else. But yeah, we'll be on the lookout for Iridium. Iridium is a very interesting company with a lot of interesting services. Well, let's see their uh, oh, sales. And, and by the way, AIG invested in uh, in Iridium. I'm just saying. They do. They don't do a big business. I mean, they do. Their whole industry. The quarterly revenue like is like a billion dollars or something. It's, it's not. No, good. no. It's only no. The revenue is only seventy six point eight million. Yeah. So I mean, this isn't even a four hundred million dollar company. This is really rinky dink. But they made. But they made money in the. Did you see the? You look. No, at they lost site? money. They 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 no their earnings. I'm looking at their earnings report right here at February twenty six two thousand nine. Oh, Despite this, is, this hires, is so funny. Because, go ahead and you read that, and I'll, then I'll read their press release. <laughs> Despite higher sales, earnings at Iridium Satellite LLC, which provides satellite mobile satellite communication services, plummeted 83% to $1.5 million for the quarter ended December 31st compared with the same quarter of 2007. Okay, now from their website, breaking news. February 26th, Iridium Satellite today announced financial results for the quarter and the year ended December 31st, 2008. Total... Uh, Iridium Satellite reports record 2008 results. Total subscribers approximately 320,000, up 37%. Revenue up 14%. Operational EBITDA up 33%. Net income down 83%. Up 23% for 2008, though. Iridium Network proves resilient in wake of satellite collision, blah, 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 blah. So there's, yeah, well, there's, there's an example of a press release. Yes. Well, it's, it's breaking news on their site. <laughs> breaking, news. breaking well they did they, their businesses is up the revenues are up speaking, but speaking, seemed of, to speaking of breaking i was talking to the lovely lady patricia about our conversation about um 12 percent of um greenhouse gases being produced by cow farts and sheep belches and uh, you know what she said she said why don't we just get rid of all the men <laughs> which I thought was a novel solution. Yeah, that's probably also part of the, of the, of the vegan agenda. <laughs> so now people criticize me for saying vegan instead of, I guess it's vegan, vegan. Is that the, which it doesn't make any sense. If it's actually, if you're going to pronounce it based on, I'm looking at the word, I've decided it should be pronounced vegan, vegan, because it's from vegetable, so it should be vegan. So, the, so I think vegan is a better pronunciation than vegan or vegan. For that matter, 
I guess we have a couple of vegans that, that listen to the show. Well, I should hope so. We could learn something. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, they got the... I got nothing against vegans. Vegans. <laughs> the vegans are okay. It's the vegans, man. That's the problem. The vegans, they're okay. Uh, do you have notes? Because, you know, I've got a ton of them, as usual. Uh, yeah, I got one thing here. Well, I had some notes on the Limbaugh and the other stuff going on. Uh, good fight last night on HBO. I don't like watching men hit each other. Yeah, it's too bad. Well, fine. I wouldn't. I'm not going to make you. So, um, just one Taylor. Who is Taylor Swift? Taylor Swift. Yeah, this is the new. You know, I don't know who. Who? Who's the one that picks? Says, okay, we're going to make her a star, and they they find some girls. This is kind of a. This is a very cute looking, puffy faced blonde, who. Uh, is now a, she's a singer and she's been on everything. She's on this show and that show, and then she was hi, you know highlighted on Saturday Night Live, which was a rerun, but it was, she was like a, you know first ran a couple of weeks to, uh, or maybe a couple months country, ago. Country, country girl, country singer. I don't know. She sings kind of that that kind of middle of the road, quasi yodeling, lesbian sounding kind of mm. tunes. But the problem is she doesn't have any range. She's got no range at all. So she she has she's got kind of a flat voice with a very small. Really narrow range, and uh, and the material is weak. So I'm watching her, but she's pretty. And so so Andrew Grummet, by the way, go. comes Hold up on. to me. Oh yeah, okay. Okay, yeah, I know who she is. Yeah, Andrew Grummet. Andrew Grummet says, oh, you know, my wife and my daughter are really into this girl named Taylor Swift. And, it, I mean, I don't know what he was going to tell me because then I went off on him. Um, something about Taylor Swift, I guess. But but I just it's just like overnight, this, this, this it just, it just happens. I've never seen anything like it. Does she have a background? Has she paid her dues? Has she been around forever singing the blues in Memphis? I mean, what you know, the next thing you know, she's there and she stinks. You know, no I had a similar uh, experience when my wife and daughter were talking about Lady Gaga, and uh, you know I've, I'm, I I used to live in the hits. You know I and I up until about 1992, I I can I know pretty much everything about top forty that there is to know, and I've met everybody between 1980 and 1992. Anybody who was anybody, I know. But I, after that, I just lost interest and also tried to get my head out of it. And then we're talking to this Lady Gaga. Of course, Lady Gaga has had a number one hit for five weeks or whatever. And it's utter crap. Yeah, she crap. had this one song. Yeah, yeah exactly. Utter crap. You know, yeah, it's, she, it's a great dance tune. What but... done? It is a great dance tune. I can't remember the name of it. Well, it's, probably... I, I, I heard this on uh, American Idol I was watching, which I, I love that show, obviously. It's just fucking great. And, and I hate it. Uh, yeah, I know. And then they have they so they have this new judge, and I forget her name, but I guess she's like a record company exec. And she's every, I'd rather be watching boxing. Which go ahead. Everything you want to hate about a record company executive, this girl embodies, which is why I like to watch these types of shows. And she's saying there. You know, you're what we call a package artist. You know, you've got everything. You've got the right looks. Blah, blah, blah. All we need is the song. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's how it works. You know, but they're they're selling a product. There's no difference between Blue Magic and uh, and and these packaged uh, artists. It's a drug. It's a cheap, cheaply produced, imported on military planes drug. <laughs> That's how she got here. She was imported on a military transport plane. 
Yeah, with a bunch of sham wows. It's so, horrible. Um, it's just, anyway, yeah. I just find it annoying, personally. Yeah, but, you know. That's okay. It's something to bitch about. I mean, I just, I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe there's, <laughs> maybe she's an know, opera singer for all I know. I just don't see it. But I, I, I love it where, you know, I, I'm going into global satellite war, warring clans, undersea <laughs> wars, and you're like, I hate this singer. She's really no good. I'll, I'll <laughs> hey, t- I'm the American. I'll, 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 I'll tell you how it works. Here's how it works. Cause, cause they're, they're doing this now in, uh, in the UK. Uh, the city of Southampton. Uh, is now going to have their water fluoridated, uh, even though seventy-eight percent of the uh, of the population is against it. And uh, there's a possibility water fluoridation could go worldwide. And uh, this is uh, well, the result of this is possibly your teeth uh, become stronger, but certainly you become subservient. And um, oh, please. You have have you not read the CIA book I've, we've talked about so often? You mean the, the legacy, legacy of, of ashes? ashes? Yeah, Where, is there a fluoridation yes, chapter in there? I didn't yes, yes. When it's in, turn on your speaker just a bit, John. When when um, this is the part that my uncle was involved in uh, the Iran Contra. So these guys have to pick up the drugs. They got to get it out of this military camp, and they fluoridate the water because that would keep everyone kind of subservient and calm. But they over. It specifically says in the book they overfluoridated, so everyone was sick. You know, they were all they were throwing up, and they were you know they were just uh, sick to their stomach because they put too much in. But it literally says in the book we we fluoridated their water supply so that they would be subservient and would be very calm. When we came in to get these big trunks of uh, drugs, which were. Uh, in weapons cases. So, yes, that's what it's for. That is what it's for. End of story. I'll have to go f- look the book up again. Yes, please do. It's yes. about three quarters, maybe four fifths of the way through the book. Hmm. When you, it's the whole, it's the whole Iran Contra thing. Go read. Well, there's it. no excuse for if the public doesn't want it, they shouldn't have it. Yeah, but the public needs to shut up. Just shut up. So what other depressing news do you have? Well, it's not depressing. So, so Jeff Jarvis came out with a book called uh, What Would Google Do? If anybody sees it, it's actually a good book. No, I That's my been, plug for what's, his book. Uh, what's it about? It's just kind of an analysis of the way Google uh, does business and uh, their methodologies and their attitudes about things and how they see the world. And, and it's just a, kind of a gimmick book, but it's it's extremely well written. I was, he was going to be on Cranky Geeks, and then he didn't show up. And so he was going to get a nice plug for his book because it's one of the few books I've seen recently. Because I look at a lot of books, and I mean, I look at them. And um, this is one I could actually read. I was kind of stunned. There was a, a a beautiful picture in the paper here in um, I can't remember which paper it was a uh, a book supplier went out of business and to their warehouse they they couldn't empty the entire warehouse so they just opened it up to the public I didn't know about this I'm so bummed there was just tens of thousands of books and you could just go in and as many as you could carry you could take away and and, wow. of, and of course it became an incredible mess you just see this huge mounds of beautiful books lying oh people. Rooting through them, trying to find something. God, pissed I missed that one. Oh, well. So meanwhile, the Rocky Mountain News, and somebody's sending me a copy of the last issue, which I guess ran uh, Thursday or one of these days. It's like the hundred the papers, like just within a few days of 150 years old. And uh, scripts with the owners, they just shut it down, said, screw you. And 
the uh, the San Francisco Chronicle is about to go out of business, and the Seattle Post Intelligencer is about to go out of business because Hearst, you know, can't seem to make any money. They're they're losing a million dollars a week at the Chronicle. How do you lose that much money? Uh, I don't know. We talked about it last week, so I can't. I can only yeah. give you the same. I don't know answer. I, I just keeps asking the same stupid question. But anyway, so the Rocky Mountain News went out of business since then, and I guess they lost twenty million dollars last year, or something like that. They just couldn't afford to stay open, and uh, everybody's all you know sad. So here's the um, the big conspiracy uh, going around the interwebs and uh, into the networks that I'm tied into, and I like it. As a possibility. I hate it, of course, if it's true, but I like it as a possibility. Um, Secretary of State Hillary Clinton is, of course, uh, talking to the Chinese. And the rumor is now that she has given promises or maybe even entered into a a more formal agreement um, about use of eminent domain in the United States. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we need to borrow $2.75 trillion. Uh, China, would you please uh, front us the money? China's going, hey, man, you know, your, your shit don't look too good right now. You got any collateral? And they say, well, yeah, we have uh, this eminent, eminent domain policy, which means the government can take your shit, uh, your land, uh, your house, etc., cetera, uh, for just compensation, whatever that would be then, or however that's calculated, and that essentially... That has been given as collateral for the next round of uh, purchase of a huge amount of securities, which are uh, on the block, ready to go. So you've heard of this? Well, uh, let me just read you from a blog post we did on February 23rd. CO2 rollback coming soon. Interesting eminent domain angle is the, the title of the post. And it was, it's about a uh, uh, article about cutting greenhouse gases, the, the czar clampdown, you know, the Carol Browner and all the rest of it. And if you're, there's this, the, the one article that I cited here, at the very, 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 very end of the article, there's this paragraph, which says, separately, Browner said the administration was, this could, you know, like just, here, they just dropped these bombs at the end because people are tired by the time they get to the end. Separately, Browner said the administration was also going to create an interagency tax task force to cite a new national electricity transmission grid to meet both growing demand and the president's planned renewable energy expansion. Mm-hmm. It says citing has been a major a major bottleneck to renewable growth, and lawmakers and administrators or administration officials have said that they'd likely seek greater federal powers that would give expanded eminent domain authorities. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, right now they got enough eminent domain to take your house over and you know drive. You know, it's like a, it's like a, you know a, a Douglas Adams story. They can just basically take what 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 do they need to expand it for? I mean, what how worse can it be? I mean, I mean, what bad things do they are they do they have in mind? Well, the, the Chinese would uh, uh, would want to have their money back. That could be pretty so bad. So they're going to just grab a bunch of property and say, "Okay, you Chinese, you can have this. Here's a town for you." Yes. Well, it is a, it is a constitutional right that the government has. They eminent domain is in the constitution, I think. Isn't it? There's some 
yeah, I, there's something about eminent domain somewhere. They have the authority to do certain things in the good for the good of the country. But I think I don't. You know, what, what do they need to expand it for? I mean, what is wrong with the way it is? I mean, there's something screwy about it. Well, what this eminent mean? domain thing is a real problem. Well, you're asking you're asking the question, but I'm giving you the answer. What they would need to expand it for would be to to have collateral for these huge loans. I mean, is that not reason enough? Doesn't that that make sense? Yeah, that has a certain sixth sense. Yeah, maybe. The journalists are in big trouble over here. Why? Um, there was a an inquisition, is what I'll call it, in front of the uh, the Treasury Select Committee. Robert Peston. This is um, a BBC reporter. He is the guy who broke the story of Northern Rock being in such trouble, which uh, triggered the run on the banks. Uh, the, the run on Northern Rock. And there's a lot of hatred about this guy. I mean, massive, massive hatred. Uh, not, not just from uh, from politicians, but also from uh, citizens who are saying, man, you should have shut up if you had just kept quiet and there wouldn't have been a run on the bank. And this Inquisition, I watched some of it on, uh, on the BBC. Uh, I'll, there's a link in the show notes that I'll put. And you can uh, read through uh, how they how they tried to corner him, but they they literally were saying, you know, you had a responsibility not to report this, and you started this economic collapse. It's just, it's just amazing what they're doing. Hmm. You can't you can't you have a responsibility. I guess there's that word over here. You have a responsibility. And he said, well, he said, well, look, all the big players knew it. There was a, there was a run inside the bank. Why, why couldn't the, the normal people who had money in the bank from the outside wouldn't give me an outside run? I mean, of course he's right. But it's just, uh, it's crazy that the, you know, what the, you can't go picking up reporters for, sh- well, not like it picked them up, but they, they really scapegoated this guy. Hmm. Well, so much for the scene over there. This, this is just going to get worse. Okay, so here's another story that's – I don't want – can we change the subject now? Yeah, or you gonna, of course. You, you can go do whatever you want. So you hear about the thing that they're trying to do with uh, the real ID and the uh, the little chip. They're trying to chip all driver's licenses. Yeah, this is um, – This the is new basically, radio chip. Yeah, basically the, uh, the illegal unconstitutional ID card. It's, they've, they've changed the, the wording of what they're going to call – it's going to be called an enhanced – driver's license <laughs> ah it's it's an upgrade nice <laughs> it's an enhanced card uh it's apparently the janet uh Napolit- how do you pronounce her name napolitano napolitano Na- napolitano i think yeah yeah uh she's promoting it but meanwhile of course the christians have considered this to be the mark of the beast <laughs> it is the mark of the beast. Of course, if it, it, it fits in line with exactly what what the what the scripture is written is that you know we get to the point where you have the mark of the beast, and that would be your implanted chip, and uh, your life is controlled through it. I so uh, I, I can see how how people see it, uh, view it that way. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um, oh, this is, um, thank you, by the way, whoever sent me that picture of uh, Nancy Pelosi. Uh, it, Which one? It, oh, it, it must be a Photoshop. Well, I mentioned something about her, uh, her chest. Oh, somebody pumped them, pumped, pumped up her breast and sent I can't, it to you. I'll, show, you know, I'll send you this picture. I can't hate her now. 
this picture gives me gives me dreams. Um, there was the, one of the interesting thing I wanted to say about the uh, <clears throat> about the crash, the Turkish Airways crash. Oh, this picture's BS. <laughs> but it's hot. <laughs> it's in the show notes, folks. Don't worry. Um, something interesting: the uh, <clears throat> the Dutch version of the National Transportation Safety Board is chaired by Meester Pieter van Vollenhoven. He is um, married into the royal family. He's married to um, one of the princesses. And he's he's been you know he's a Bilderberger the whole thing he's been around for a while and I can tell you can tell you a funny story about him and Patricia in a second just to show you what kind of credibility he I have for him um, or what his credit worthiness is so they took the flight data recorder and the cockpit voice recorder from this unfortunate accident and what happened is the Justice Department said hey we want to see it because you know we're responsible for terrorism whatever and. Uh, from Folahova said, no, you can't have it. And so now there's this political flap going on back and forth about this flight data recorder. But there's an interesting backstory to this, which I think we've touched on lightly, that uh, the there's all there's been significant strain between the Dutch Department of Justice, in particular with the Secretary General, because this is the guy who admitted to uh, to journalists that he um, had sex with uh, underage children. Ah. And uh, Turkey, you know, according to reports, has been blackmailing him for many years because, of course, uh, Istanbul is a great place to go. And, uh, you know, there's a there's like a dissident that's locked up for life in Dutch jail and there's all kinds of wacky shit going on. And I was thinking it's maybe it's possible that these guys wanted these tapes, you know, to hold them over the Turkish government. But Turkey is, is a very interesting kind of in, they're in the middle of this huge web. You know, they talk to Iran. They talk to the West. They talk to. You know, it's all these different political moves, and it's just fascinating to to watch this unprecedented stuff happening, and and you know, from Fullerhof of being a member of the royal family, a Bilderberger, as I said, and the guy who stuck his erection into my wife's back when taking a picture one time at some event is just an interesting uh, little character. There's a lot of stuff going on, interesting to follow. He's a masher. Yep, they were taking a picture because she did a performance, some royal performance or whatever. And uh, and he was uh, behind her in this photo setup, and he was just rubbing it, rubbing his uh, his stiffy up against her. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. Yeah, I don't, I don't what mind a saying. Disgusting it. person. <laughs> yes, thank you. You'll see. He's the guy with the ears. He's our uh, Prince Charles. Very very funny. So what's his name again? Von Fullerhoven. Yeah. Don't worry. I won't even. Oh, it's in. The, I got links in the show notes. All right, we'll I'll see how silly he looks. Yeah, and then just imagine him mashing up against you. <laughs> <laughs> a masher. Oh, that's nasty. And that is what a ma- that is the definition of a masher. I just got a, a Twitter here that uh, Iridium possibly supplies uh, financial transactions. That they're a network for financial transactions for the banks. Interesting. Mm. Interesting. So what else you got on your list? Tons of stuff. Well, go. Give me another one. Give me something interesting this time. Okay. Uh, The connection between... Do you have any celebrity news? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Well, the the whole country here has been uh, in in just so fascinated with uh, the Jane Goody 
story. If you really we want don't to know, I don't know what that is. Jay Goody is uh, she won Big Brother and subsequently went on to become a celebrity and even appeared on Celebrity Big Brother. She was the one who got uh, kicked out of the Big Brother house, the Celebrity Big Brother house, uh, supposedly for bullying and or racist comments about the Indian uh, actress. Do you recall that flap from uh, no. I guess two years ago? This was huge because, you know, she said. Uh, I can't remember what she said, but it was some derogatory term or, you know, whatever it was. And she's a very common type girl. Uh, yeah. And she's in told speech. to say this, of course, but besides yeah, this yeah, obviously, but it was, it, it was, a uh, the house of commons were discussing it, you know, Oh, we have bullying oh, going on. Bro, on TV. Yeah, yeah, blah, 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 blah. Uh, so she got cancer, uh, severe, uh, cervical cancer, I believe. And, uh, which there's an, another story there for another time. Um, but now she's dying and this has been front page for weeks of every periodical above anything else. Um, and you know, because, because she's selling her story to every media outlet because she wants her boys to have, um, you know, to be set, to be taken care of. So you can imagine how this enamors everybody and everyone's drawn in. So there's a reality show running, you know, we're watching this girl die. It is, it is. It's a disgusting spectacle, not on her part, but just on what we've become as people. Um, you know, she's bald, and and her husband's in jail because he beat some girl severely, I guess, because he's in jail for eighteen months. She's like, oh, you know, I, I wanna, I, I wanna marry him, and so the judge lets him out of jail uh, for not just for the wedding, but for the wedding night. And uh, she sells the story to OK Magazine, you know, reported seven hundred thousand pounds, which. I think it's possibly true, um, and that's what people are looking at. They're 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 not interested in the shit we're talking about. That's that is the that is the story here. That is the story. Wow. Yeah, it's kind of depressing. I think our show is depressing. We're not going to get anybody to give us any money if we. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, there you go. On a per- perfect moment after the dying cancer celebrity Big Brother story. John, let's talk about our library. Hold on, hold on a second. We can't just talk about the library. This is no agenda. All right, the Adam Curry John C. Dvorak uh, Library Project. John. So we have a. Uh, this library thing, you know, of course, we have to put up the library site, but we were still looking for donations from the people who actually use this show. Of course, apparently, you know, to bring themselves closer to suicide with the topics that we had today. <laughs> uh, so I, I don't know if it's it, maybe it's illegal suicide. Uh, uh, what do you call it uh, when you help somebody? But um, euthanasia. No, this assisted suicide. That's what the word I was looking for. Uh, people, a lot of people listen to the show when they're on their bicycle or at the gym or they're going to work and they have a long <laughs> drive. Throw and they myself don't under the commer- bus. <laughs> and they don't want to li- listen to commercials or they don't want to listen to stuff. We, you know, nobody else brings up these topics, even though you know some of them are a little fringe. Do you know why no one brings up these topics, John? Because you're exactly right. The people who are hypnotized watching mass media, they want a different story. They want something that's uplifting and heroic. They don't want the actual truth they don't want to hear what's really going on in the world that's why well we have a number of listeners that seem to like this material uh and it's in the hundreds of thousands 
And uh, we need to get them to pitch in because this is a public-supported show. So if you can go to Dvorak.org slash N-A, we would seriously appreciate your help. And I th- want to thank everybody who's already yes, done this. thank you indeed. And there's a lot of them, but it's not as many as we need to say the least. And uh, we're probably, you know, when we do the library, we're going to give them a code, and then they can go online and look at some stuff that we're going to keep separate from the rest of them. I got a funny email from someone. I'm seeing if I, I thought I saved it to my Dvorak.org slash N-A. Yes. Anyway. You, were, you were going to do the slash library thing, too, but I guess that hasn't I'm gonna, No, it's coming. I'll, we'll do it this week. I have to have to get, I was I have to do it during the week when Gromit's around and we can just do it. You said you were going to do that earlier. I'm a, I'm a laggard. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. Someone sent us a really funny email. I th- I thought I'd save that about uh, the donation. Hold on. Come on, Google. Come on, Google Mail. Here we go. God, I love Gmail. Adam. Now that I'm an investor in, this is from Bruce Chandley. Now that I'm an investor in No Agenda, I demand to have my name on an entrance brick in the new Curry Dvorak Library. Yeah, saw this. I vote that you change the plans to a library slash winery. Good idea. I expect to see a rendering of the new library on Curry.com before long. Yes, someone will have to do that. I also demand a seat on the board of directors at No Agenda. Whoa, that's a, that's a heavy one there. $2 per month is a lot of damn money. You be- you guys better not run off with all that money like Madoff. I also expect to receive a State of No Agenda <laughs> each year. Uh, state of No Agenda address. And best of No Agenda when you guys are on vacations. Please use my investment wisely. Thank That's you, actually Bruce. a good idea. Um, the winery I think idea? We should, we- well, the winery is always a good idea, uh, especially you know in a down economy when you get these things cheap. No, I'm thinking it's probably not a bad idea to do a state of no agenda at some point, and then also I think a best of would be a good idea because I think at some point we, we need a, we need some evergreen material just in case we can't do a show. I don't like the idea of evergreen material. I, I've just I, you know the whole idea just makes me think Sound of Music. I just evergreen doesn't sit right with me. It's uh... Uh, I'm just saying we should have some sort of backup plan in case we can't do the show. Um, but there's no reason for us not to do the show unless one of us is physically incapacitated. I mean, I'm going. No, uh, I mean, I could be. Tra- I'm going to be in Holland in uh, the end of end April. April. Yeah, and uh, I might not have a connection. That's worth a crap. One of the times I was in Europe recently, I go online and they did the connection. You get a card at the front desk, yeah. and yeah, you got a pretty good connection. And then it just craps out. It says, "Oh, you've used all your all your capacity. You you yeah. used too many bits." Insert coin. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's like going to whatever. That, that was that was pretty funny. The Ryanair story about uh, which, of course, got way blown out of proportion. You know, they've got kind of a, a wacky chairman. He says, "Oh, you know, I'm I'm considering uh, charging uh, for the toilets. You have to put a pound into the toilet." Yeah, right. And then and, you know, that was even on the front page of the Financial Times. You know, it's like God, will you take that seriously? Although there's a great uh, picture that I'll put in the show notes. That shows the Ryanair um, emergency placard. Have you seen this one? It's highly bloggable. I figured I'd give it to you. The Ryanair placard. And, you know, in case of an emergency, in case of pressure loss, insert one pound into slot to release oxygen mask. (laughs) (laughs) Secure your own mask, but do not help others. They must pay for it themselves. Uh, if the plane has to land in an emergency, insert your card into the chip and pin device. When the transaction is complete, exit the aircraft. (laughs) It's cute. Yeah, it's very cute. Um, okay, I've got... Um... Well, let me read you some email here. That This is a piece of folklore that's been going around. I think this has been around 
over and over again. I just got it again, but I'm going to read it. And I just it, this to me is just total, you know, uh, urban legend bull, which is kind of funny. So it goes to the following. This is this is a mail I got from uh, John Montana. In addition to communicating with the local air traffic control facility, all aircraft in the Persian Gulf AOR are required to give the Iranian air defense radar military a 10-minute heads-up if they will be transiting Iranian airspace. This is a common procedure for commercial aircraft and involves giving them your call sign, transponder code, type aircraft, and points of origin and destination. I just flew with a guy who overheard this conversation on the VHF guard emergency frequency 121.5 megahertz while flying from Europe to Dubai. It's too good not to pass along, which, of course, means it's bullshit. Which means we, do, which we there's no re- actual recording of it. It's just a transcript. It just, but it's, yeah, it, here it goes. The conversation went like this. Iranian air defense radar. Unknown aircraft. You are in Iranian airspace. Identify yourself. Aircraft. This is a United States aircraft. I'm in Iraqi airspace. Air defense radar. You are in Iranian airspace. If you do not depart our airspace, we will launch interceptor aircraft. <laughs> they never say it that way. Aircraft, no, aircraft. This is the United States Marine Corps F-18 fighter. Send them up, I'll wait. <laughs> and then <laughs> no response. And then what? That's it. They did no response. They wouldn't respond. That was it. That's the joke. Oh, See, then God. they wouldn't say anything. So. Mm, okay. Yeah. People, you got to come up with better material than that. Well, that's like, uh, there's, uh, well, anyway, air, airplane radio transmission jokes are plenty. That's a pretty good one. But there's, uh, there's a lot of them that uh, float around. Um, okay, let me see. Uh, by the way, I, I've, this is the third week in a row now that I've said that uh, California is really, Southern California is really in dire straits with, uh, with the water situation. You keep saying, oh, it's raining, but that's Northern California. Uh, this is a real state of emergency for uh, for the southern, you know, California being pretty big. They're in a desert. What do they expect? Well, is that your answer? Like, uh, what would they say in your days? Blow up and dry away? Or dry up and blow away? I'm telling you, they're in a desert. What do they expect? They've, st- they've stolen all the water from Northern California. We used to have in the San Francisco Bay Area when Hetch Hetchy Reservoir was like a normal place where we get drinking water. Probably some of the finest water outside of New York City, which, by the way, has terrific drinking water, except for the plutonium. But anyway, so uh, it was just the tastiest water ever. And then, oh, no, he had to divert most of it to Southern California because they were expanding and they were in the Orange County. He's got, you know, building new homes and blah, blah, blah. Next thing you know, all the water goes down there. So our water tastes like crap now. So what do you think? I'm bitter? Well, I'd like to understand that. What, just they've stolen the water. What, where's your? What, don't you have the same water supply, just less of it, or are you getting your water from somewhere else now? We're getting it from a, another source that sucks. Apparently, it's just it's all polluted, and they have to chlorinate the crap out of it. So when it comes out of the tap, you smell chlorine. You know, you got to buy a Brita. You know, just to <laughs> be able to be able to choke down the water that used to be fantastic. Wow. Yeah. Okay. It's a reasonable complaint. That's I mean, a you know, it's a quality of life well, issue. It's I'm, a quality of life issue. Thank you. I'm glad you finally got it out. It's taken me three weeks to get you to respond to it. So you have a dry spell going on. And then here's a way. Here's another one. I don't know. Have you ever been to Bermuda? Uh, yes, I have. You know, they have no supply of water in Bermuda. 
There's no, there's no well. You can't drill a well in Bermuda and get water. So what do they do for their water supply? They don't have big reservoirs. There's not enough room on these islands. So no, what do they do? Every house has got a crazy kind of a lime roof. They're all white. A lime roof that is real clean, is kept clean, and it's all the water that every time it rains in Bermuda, all the water that hits every roof in every home gets funneled down into a tank in the basement, and they essentially have created a uh, a self-sustaining water system. Oh, that's right. System. Yeah, yeah. No, Jamaica does a lot of this, too. Yeah, I've seen yeah, it. Yeah, these, these, these places do that. I don't understand why they don't do that in these dry areas like Los Angeles and, and parts of Texas that's always having a drought where it rains like a son of a gun. And, it, you know, every so often, in fact, Los Angeles has these huge ditches, these huge pits, these giant – you see them in the movies all the time. These giant pits where the rainwater goes washing down when they have these this, these tremendous storms that just throw a ton of water all at once into the area, and it goes just shoveled off back into the ocean where they could be collecting it. And then they hmm. complain when they run out of water. They don't – they make no effort to do any sort of catching of all the rain that they actually get. They just waste it all, and then they steal our good drinking water so they can, you know, you know, water their grass and fill their pools. This is a call to arms, I have John. No sympathy. I'm just telling you, I have no sympathy for them. Screw those Los Angelinos. This serves you right for living in the desert. I'm with you, John. Screw those so guys. Anyway, there all are ways of doing this. And all they're all a bunch of greenies down there. How come they haven't got these Bermuda roofs that save the water? I don't get it. Save the water. Oh, oh I got another beautiful data point. Bissette. You know, people are annoyed by you continually lighting that that or, or playing with your cigarette lighter constantly. Um, who says they're annoyed by it? I did. Okay. The uh, on Wednesday morning, the same morning of the Schiphol Turkish Airlines crash, the uh, the head of the National Police Department Special Operations Unit shot himself in the head. <laughs> Suicided himself twice. Yeah, of course, of course. Just a, to be sure. I just love this shit, man. I mean, how can it not be connected? Now let's go over this one again. I didn't get. I didn't know this. So, so this is the who? What police guy shot himself okay, in the this, head? This is uh, Bekset. I think Octay is how you pronounce it. The head of the National Police Department Special Operations Unit shot himself in the head early on Wednesday in Ankara. And oh, so he was in Turkey. He was in Turkey. Yeah. Why would one? So, so, why is he in Turkey? And what? Well, he is. What is he's special a operation? He, he's head of the. This is like this. Uh, the special ops unit of Turkey. So he shoots himself. There's four Boeing engineers on board who are involved with the early warning aircraft system, which is a. And, and this is all relatively new. All these contracts being awarded. We've got Iridium satellite. I just, dude. There's something. Something going on here. I know there's something going on. Well, there's a lot of billions involved, so anything's possible. You know, you can get a guy to knock someone off for 20 bucks on the street. I'm sure someone's willing to kill a couple people if it's about billions. I'm just saying. Yeah, but they have to be better than some street hit thug. Well, I think they're very sophisticated, obviously. <laughs> hey, there's a radioactive guy running around. Oh? In the U.K. Yeah, police are searching for Thomas Leopold of Hammersmith, 
Leopold, uh, so th- this, he's, um, I guess he was convicted for child pornography. Uh, but he has been given high doses of radiation as treatment for th- for a thyroid condition. And uh, he didn't show up, and now people are worried about him, and there's a report out for him, and his doctor confirms he is dangerous in terms of radioactivity for a period of six weeks after treatment. I didn't know that this existed, that people are actually dangerously radioactive. Something about this story doesn't make sense. Maybe there's a doctor who's in our audience that can tell us what that's all about. Actually, a friend of mine is a uh, um, uh, a nuclear... uh, Physician. I mean, he 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 used to be involved with shooting people up with various things, and they used then you put him in a machine, and you could see all kinds of weird stuff. But I'll ask him. So this is a, the 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 background of this is a thyroid condition, and he's shot up with radiation to treat it, and he's so radio and, and which has made him radioactive for the next six weeks. This doesn't sound right. Leopold was in charge of a tutorial college in Harrow, northwest of London, was seen a few days before his hearing on a car ferry destined for southeast Ireland. Um, But he was questioned by special branch police officers. And this is apparently... Who would have seen him on a car ferry? How would they know this? Someone with a Geiger. Someone with a Geiger counter. <laughs> Unless they're following him. I mean, who, I mean, who would have seen him on a ferry? Weird story, isn't it? Yeah, it's a strange story. Yeah, it's it'll be in the show notes. UK police hunt for dangerously radioactive teacher. Just gotta love that headline. <laughs> dangerously. <laughs> so, um, just to wrap it up, because uh, it's uh, it's really what what leaves people with the most uh, to talk about about our little little program here. We do twice a week. Um, first of all, I'd like to say that um, I have to rescind, rescind maybe not the right word, um, I have to tell you I do believe in climate change now, because I've uh, looked up the meaning of this word, and as long as it's not about global warming, yes, climate change is afoot, the political climate, the financial climate, the economic climate, and I think that this is now just a code word, John. It's not Ooh, a, this is a good one. Now, this is the, one of the better things you've done for the whole show today. Well, you know, it takes a little while. Climate for you to change warm up. is a code word mm-hmm. for, you know, the changes afoot. Yep. yep. Because climate, of course, is what you predict and weather is what you get. You know, that, that's two very different things. Climate is just a predictive model and in some cases a historic model. But climate, really, climate change, it makes so much sense to me. It just hit me. I'm like, yeah, I get it. Climate change. It's code. You know, if things are going the way you actually think they're going, mm-hmm. our show's not going to be on for much longer. No, I've thought about that, and I've had many discussions with my wife about it. <laughs> you know, Homeland Security and all. And... Uh, no, I, I, although you know, a lot of times you know you got a show like this, which is you know the crackpot and buzzkills special, right? Which is why you, we you, hype that up, of course. You end up with them saying, "Yeah, now there's just a couple of just like that uh, exactly. show they have over, the overnight uh, used to be Art coast, Bell show, coast to coast, coast to coast." Yeah, you know they have people on there that are just 
you know, they're eye rolling crazy. You know, the people that say there's a bunch of prisoners in the middle of the earth, you know, and you can drop a microphone <laughs> down a volcano and you can hear them screaming. Ah, shit. And, now, you took my last topic, man. What are we going to do now? <laughs> that kind of stuff. And it's like really wacky, wacky stuff. You know, or it's like you and those aliens, you know, that supposedly around. And, or the, the 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 flying saucer that was supposed to land. Well, you know, you, know, a I, you notice I'm not talking about that much because I too was very disappointed. So I'm like, yeah, well, fuck it, I'm not gonna talk about it. it. You know, that that's no that's no longer credible where I got all that shit from. Obviously, so uh, climate noun: the prevailing this, attitude, standards, or environmental conditions of a group, period, or place. Origin: 1315 to 1400. Climat, clima, synonyms, mood, atmosphere, spirit, tone, temper. I'm right there. That's cute. I like it. We need a jingle or something around oh, it. Oh, yeah. Cool. Climate change. You know, the, we'll have to think of something. No, I still want to come, something. Uh, one of our listeners will come up with something for sure. All right, let me just see if there's one okay, last I'm, I'm, I, I was going to do an I'm, upbeat. I'm in, by the way. I'm in with you on the climate change. Okay, thing. cool. Uh, thank you. I was just looking if there was one upbeat thing I could uh, could leave on. Surely you have that something. That would be different. <laughs> uh, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> it doesn't seem to be possible. Um, you don't have anything left? That's it? I, I'm, I'm thin this week. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, I got, got tons of stuff. It's just... Uh, you're right. I, I don't want it to all be downer stuff. Guys lighting themselves on fire. Topless coffee shop in Maine. That's kind of cool. I like that as a recession buster. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Men and women. <laughs> uh. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, there you go. I think we just have to uh, call it a show, Johnny. All right. Well, we'll have more stuff for everybody on Thursday when we... Uh, uh, the next, uh, I don't know what's going to be happening between now and Thursday, but probably a lot. I do find that the wait between Sunday and Thursday is harder. I mean, it's an extra day. The Thursday to, to Sunday thing, I can handle, but I'm, uh, I, I do Jones a bit. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, we could rotate. We can do between Wednesday and Thursday and Wednesday and Thursday if you wanted to, you know, wanted to. Well, I don't think anybody... Uh, we're gonna I think have, we should stick with the schedule. Yeah, yeah. we have to do it on Thursday because I'm uh, I'm driving back from uh, France Thursday, and I'm going to be there Wednesday. France, so, France. What are you doing in France? I, I am. Uh, I have a course. I'm taking a course. In, in what? Uh, <laughs> Final Cut Pro. <laughs> you are? Yeah. As a special master you have to go to there. france to get a course in final cut pro well the in this the, this is something in the time period that worked out for me yeah it's not a it's not like it's not like a basic thing it's like a master class thing it's a big deal you know i i need to there's nobody in britain that can give you this material i'm just not seeing why you have to go to france well again there's nothing for the timing that just didn't work out right hmm doesn't matter. i mean but this is like you know the Media management stuff, you know, and I, I do a show, you know, this six days a week. So, you know, this at a certain point, you know, yeah, the hard drives are filled up and you've got to manage the media. And there's all this, you know, real process flow stuff that once you kind of if you follow, if you really read through the manual, it's like, OK, and um, my eyes are glazing over. But if you see someone who actually, you know, does it and, and you follow along, you know, it makes it a lot easier and templates building. It's a whole bunch of stuff. No, don't give a right. shit about this. 
Anyway, so Thursday will be. I'll be back in time for the show Thursday. Well, why don't you pick up some uh, produce or something while you're there? Yeah, um, yeah, I could do. Could you know, do. you're supposed to give me that bottle of wine for. Uh, you know, bring it over. You never did. The one from uh, you, I don't think you. I've never been able. I've never been able to find it. I've looked. You mean the? You have to uh, go to Barry Brothers. Have you been to Barry Brothers? Yeah, well, yeah, I, I got other things to do. I don't even have time to do a daily source code. I'm going to go to Barry Brothers. Yeah. You come all right. Over, bring your ass over here, and we'll take care of all that shit in one go. You won't have time. Okay. 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 All right, that's it. That's it. I'm done. I'm through. I'm finished. Dvorak.org slash N-A. Give us some... We needed some help. Thank you. Coming to you from the Crackpot Command Center in Gitmo Nation East in Southwest London, I'm Adam Curry. I'm John C. Dvorak in the Buzzkill Bunker here in uh, Bastion of Buzzkill. I don't know what we're going to call it. In northern Silicon Valley, John C. Dvorak. We'll talk to you on Thursday right here on No Agenda. <laughs>